I try to implement those sort of strategies within my day, my toolbox that I've had from high performance, being a high performance athlete to motherhood. And it's a lot of systems of protection, of uh, self-preservation, um, <laughs> but also a regimen and a structure, to be honest. I implement structure and I allow enough looseness so that when the plan A isn't linear, that it doesn't derail the entire day and it isn't like, woe is me and oh, everything's screwed up. That happens in training. It happens going into a race, you know, where it's like, I don't know, it's just, it's not exactly how you had it lined up and you have to have enough space for there to be a kink here, a kink there, and still be able to hop onto the track and keep going. So that's kind of what I use. I use that toolbox. And I think that that's, enabled me the ability to be happy in motherhood and to do it three times. Obviously, I I, I like it. (laughs) Welcome to the Practice Brave podcast. I'm your host, Brianna Battles, a strength and conditioning coach and the founder of Pregnancy and Postpartum Athleticism. The Practice Brave podcast brings you the relatable, trustworthy, and transparent health and fitness information you're looking for when it comes to coaching, being coached, and transitioning through the variables of motherhood and womanhood. If you're a pregnant or postpartum athlete or a coach working with this population, this show is specifically designed for you. All right, let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Practice Brave podcast. Today, I am here with my friend, Alicia Montano, and we're going to be talking about her life and career as a very high-level athlete. And I cannot wait to talk to her about navigating motherhood, her career as a professional athlete and everything that she is now doing to support other female athletes. So Alicia, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on the, actually just connect about all the things to be honest. So yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your background and just everything that you're doing and have done. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh, a lot. Okay. Well, I am obviously known as a professional athlete. I'm a high-level athlete, an Olympic athlete in track and field. And I have been a professional track and field athlete for over a decade now. And uh, But I come from a sports and athletic, overall athletic background. So I played soccer and basketball all the way through high school and really wanted to play soccer, to be completely honest, at a collegiate level. Um, but I got a full ride to run track. And part of that deal was to also participate in cross country, which is in the fall, same season as soccer. So I had to make obviously a decision about uh, having a full ride to go to college. So um, I took that. To be completely fair, I never let go of um, my athleticism. I think that that's what made me, to be honest, a good runner that stayed relatively injury-free. I think that more runners are implementing a program that involves overall athleticism somewhere, somehow, whether they do it in the weight room or they implement in other areas of their life and cross training. There's been plenty of studies that have found that it helps mitigate the risk of injury. And so, and also like, you know, I look at younger athletes and their parents come to me and they're saying, you know, my son or my daughter is such a good runner. Uh, What should they be doing in track and field? And I'm like, honestly, play all the sports because specializing too early also creates so many overuse injuries and also shortens your life, your, your life, not your real life of breathing and living, (laughs) but your life as an athlete, it really does. And so, yeah, that's, um, the quick and easy background. We can talk forever in a day about all the things, but, um, just to give it to you guys straight, 
There's Google, there's Instagram. There's lots of ways to figure out all the other things about my background. That's a uh, pretty deep. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And you know what? It's interesting that you, that you're leading with that conversation and angle, because, you know, that's something I try to talk about so much is that we now raising kids have so much better information around the trying to give our kids a lifetime of athleticism and not having them specialize. This was a conversation I had with um, Danelle Dixon. She is a physical therapist and she works primarily with dancers, but we see the same thing with the dance community where it's like you're six years old and dance is all you do forever. And then Mm -hmm. like, it really kind of hinders that long-term career for dancers and obviously the dance culture but that translates into so many sports. And I'm really glad that you acknowledge that, you know, and are an advocate for that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So your mom, tell me about your mom life. Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> um, I have become a mom, but I never stopped being Alicia. Um, I think yes. most women can, or birthing bodies can say that, you know, you don't ever stop being yourself when you become a mom. I think, it's interesting that there are so many systems that are not in favor of supporting motherhood. And it's baffling to me because I just kind of wonder where do the people who make all the rules, <laughs> who do they think mothers are and where do they think that the person that they were before they became moms, like when, where do they think that they go? So my mom life is very much consistent of me continuing to strive for big goals for myself, dig deep within myself, find passion and purpose within myself. And part of that also does include, you know, things that I want in motherhood for my kids, what I, where I want to bring them, what I want to instill in them in their lives, ways that I want to be a better person so I can be a better mom and better foster their dreams and their goals and instill in them the things that will allow them to be their full person as they maybe or maybe not embark in parenthood like later on down the line. I want them to see me as an example of someone who never ever uh, threw themselves away for any reason. And I need them to know that they are enough and that they are important and that they are worthy of self-betterment every single day. And then part of life evolution can also include family. And it doesn't mean that if you include family within the evolution of your life, that everything that you were and that you want to be cannot be any longer. So that's a big part of my motherhood. There's nothing I would say about mom life that, uh, well, I mean, by way of purpose, (laughs) on purposeness, is that a word? Uh, Well, I say that I do or I include or I exclude that would make me unhappy. Now let's get real. There are so many parts of motherhood that do stuff you and just by way of it happening. And you have to put some things aside as you go through all these things, but it's not like I'm putting it aside purposely because I'm like, Oh, the kids forever. And I am now no one. I just aim to serve you small cubes of cheese and bits of crackers and white oh, I hear asses. Um, yeah. So that's me and mom life. I feel like, so when I first embarked on motherhood, I have three kids now, everyone who's listening, I never felt like I could share too much about motherhood because it was like my first like go around. I'm not saying anybody who's uh, just a mom to one child cannot share. But for me, I, I felt like I need to kind of 
learn the ropes a bit before I can say too much about this and about that. Um, and it was, it's just kind of funny because I feel like that's how I felt with my first child. And then the second child, I kind of still felt the same way where I was like, okay, yeah, it's like, I know the lay of the land ish, but it's so true. Every pregnancy, every child, every postpartum period is so different that I think that's when people ask me like, Ooh, what's it like? I'm like, you know what? Your journey is going to be your own. There are some things that are, of course, cut and dry that you can kind of help with and throw a, you know, a bone of advice. But a lot of it is like, you know, there's this embarking on motherhood. Parenthood can be a big ass thick coffee reader, you know, that's filled with a million pages because so many stories can be, have, have similarities and links that draw us to one another or connect us to one another, but they also have so many different kinks that separate us and our stories. Um, anyway, I'm kind of going a little bit of a tangent here because I'm excited to talk to an adult. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I feel the same way. And I, Obviously, you and I have connected because I think we have, we carry such a a similar value system and approach to being an athlete. Obviously, you are um, much more of an athlete than I am, but I guess prioritizing this lifetime of athleticism and also not losing your identity Mm -hmm. solely in motherhood. Something that like a sentiment I say a lot is like your athleticism doesn't end when motherhood begins. Your sexuality doesn't end when motherhood begins. Your so professionalism doesn't end when motherhood begins and your aspirations don't end when motherhood begins. Like we can keep adding to our identity and totally. that's what motherhood is. We are adding to our identity, but we don't have to forget all of what makes us, us. And I yeah. know it's so hard because there's so much about motherhood and career and pursuing athletic goals or any kind of goals that feel like they get compromised by motherhood and I mean, it's, it can be hard because there's so much sacrifice involved physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, all of these things, like you totally. mentioned, different systems that influence it. How have you taken who you are and added to that with your kids? How have you really, how have you actually implemented this idea while also being in the trenches of motherhood, early motherhood? <laughs> I love it. The trenches is such a true statement. I mean, <laughs> everyone that's listening or saying like, oh, you don't have to change who you are. That's blah, blah, blah. But right. like, there are so many things that do change <laughs> by way of just natural evolution. Right. Um, everyone's going to think I'm slightly psycho, but I am. Okay. This is not going to make sense because it's completely polarized ideals here that I'm about to say. I am very regimented, but I'm also very loose and wild and free, which doesn't make sense. I know. Um, And let me explain. (laughs) And it's part of it is because I have been a, I mean, I, I don't know which came first, right? Is it the personality traits that have led me to this passion and career path that gave me the ability or or allowed me the ability to just focus on this thing and tick away until I got to the Olympics? And, or is it because I was in this training, you know, that allowed me to focus and gave me the tools to focus on this thing and get to the Olympics? It's like, hmm, which one? I think, I truly think it's a little bit of both. Like I think there's honing in on your craft and how to do it really well, but there's a certain personality that can totally zero in on something and be like, Ooh, yeah, I can do this. I got this. And then I think part of you does get trained to do things a certain way because, Oh, that doesn't allow me to do this the way that I want to do this well. So I'm going to like do this. And then you find what works and you kind of keep taking away at it. So 
for me, I think I implement that same part of what I have as an athlete into motherhood. Um, I have a couple of jokes with my husband that I'm going to be like, um, oh my gosh, what's her name? Mommy Dearest. And they're going to be like, no wire hangers ever. I don't know if you guys have seen that movie, but it's great. It's one of my favorite movies, but it's just like, you know, I know what I have to do to wake up in the morning. I mean, you figure this out, obviously, you know, in the beginning of motherhood. Um, but what I have to do in the morning to give myself a head start on me feeling like we're going to be able to have a good day and I'm going to be able to laugh with you guys and I'm going to be able to talk kind and listen to you. Um, cause I've had the days where you just don't get a leg up and you're just like, Ooh, I'm just kind of a grouch. And so I try to implement that, those sort of strategies within my day, my toolbox that I've had from high performance, being a high performance athlete to motherhood. And it's a lot of systems of protection of, uh, self-preservation. Um, <laughs> but also a regimen and a structure, to be honest, I implement structure and I allow enough looseness so that when the plan A isn't linear, that it doesn't derail the entire day and it isn't like, woe is me and oh, everything's screwed up. That happens in training. It happens going into a race, you know, where it's like, I don't know, it's just, it's not exactly how you had it lined up and you have to have enough space for there to be kink here, a kink there, and still be able to hop onto the the track and keep going. So that's kind of what I use. I use that toolbox. And I think that that's enabled me the ability to be happy in motherhood and to do it three times. Obviously I'm, I I, I like it. (laughs) No, absolutely. And it's funny. You actually answered a question that I had for a little bit further into the conversation, but you talked about, I think what this really is, is like you leveraged what I call and have coined or whatever athlete brain like this athletic mindset and then learned how to leverage it to work with you as you mature as an athlete and then leverage it into your motherhood habits so that Mm -hmm. you're able to juggle both and have that little bit of like flexibility and resilience when we can't like plan A doesn't work, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but also Mm -hmm. have that system and solid habits that support your lifestyle and your goals Mm -hmm. as a family or individual or professionally. So let's rewind a little bit. And I want to know a little bit about, you know, you spent your 20s competing and you also got pregnant a couple times during that (laughs) period. So can you just tell me about what it was like to be uh, competing and becoming a mother? Just like just Mm -hmm. what that experience was. For me, I wanted for my career to never become stale and to always allow space for me to be like everything that I wanted in my life, in my personhood. I mean, I, 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 without judgment, but with observation, watched people go through athletic careers and just kind of seem like they were doing the same thing over and over again. It was like, to me, for my personality, I felt like that would absolutely kill me. I would be like, it'd be like nails on a chalkboard. I would be like banging my head against a wall. And I just didn't want to be imprisoned by something I should enjoy doing. Um, So when I thought about all the things that I wanted out of my career, I also didn't want for it to, again, like we talked about in the beginning, I didn't want it to live and die with just, you know, running and not pursuing other parts of me. And I also don't want motherhood to just live and die in motherhood. And so when I thought about the pursuit of my life, 
it just happens to also include running, fitness, and family. (laughs) When I say that out loud, I think about the things that I kind of didn't say out loud as I was charting out the territory that I I knew I was embarking on. But I I was so, I was very aware of the environment that women and moms have lived in as athletes. And that was the one of like, you know, being told that you were not going to ever be able to recover and come back and, or, you know, you're just not going to be of value to the team and likely because they believe that you were just not able to come back. And that's because, you know, we don't invest, uh, or I do (laughs) sports hadn't invested in women in a way that they can be all the parts of a woman that can come with womanhood. I mean, you don't have to choose motherhood. You can also choose motherhood. And also you don't have to choose motherhood for motherhood to also happen to you. (laughs) I guess guess at some point you choose it. Right. But, um, yeah, at some point, but you know, it doesn't always have to be planned. And like, I can't imagine, I mean, it has happened where women have become pregnant without it being part of their plan and it kind of being X'd out. So anyways, so I navigated that territory by slyly asking questions that had, that were hypothetical. And I just can't believe that we had to live so much in the dark about our own personal pursuits when it came to that, because it was just cut and dry. Like you were going to be suspended or cut from your contract, even if you had the ability of returning. So um, in navigating that, it was very behind the scenes, kind of just talking with my coach about it and learning a lot about the physiology of pregnancy and then coupling that with pregnancy with athletics and understanding all the things that could go down and ways that you know we could hope for and work towards the best possible outcome. And there are obviously things that happen that you just don't, one, fully know about, or two, you hope don't happen to you, but can. Like, um, as a performance athlete, I definitely didn't want a C-section, but understood that's something that could happen. As a performance athlete, I definitely didn't want uh, severe diastasis recti, but that's something that did happen to me. And so it's just about, you know trying your best to chart out what you want from it and then navigating as best as possible. And so that's what I did. I sadly at the time when I first became pregnant, it was 2015. My coach hadn't had any pregnant athletes, but was hundred percent on board with you're super young. Um, there's amazing, um, physiological effects that also happen with pregnancy. Also, regardless of the physiological effects, the psychological effects of you wanting family right now and also wanting to compete are going to be of great benefit to you. I say we do it. And that's just kind of how it went down for us. And my North Star has always been happiness. And if that's something that included it for me, then that's how I navigated what I was going to do. I hope for the best. If you don't know I, about but the New York Times op-ed that came out in 2019, we find out that <laughs> it was a very difficult road, regardless of showing you are a great brand ambassador, showing up to you know 7 a.m. runs at whatever, f- four months pregnant, you know, going to LA Marathon, cheering on your team in the dead of the heat, you know, handing out water bottles at the finish line in your gear. Um, there were so many things that were just like were just understated because you're not able to perform at nine different races. And then it's also just that target on your head of like, are you going to make it back? And should we keep paying you? So I just threw at you. (laughs) Well, absolutely. And I think that there's a lot that the general public has no clue 
about the behind the scenes of what happens mm-hmm. with professional athletes, especially when they go on to become moms. And I, and I do feel like there's this, you know, I think you and I are around the same age, but this, I'd say generation where we've only within the last 10 to 15 years have seen people continue to pursue high levels of athleticism as they become mothers, whether that's CrossFit or, you know, Olympic athletes, we're seeing more Mm -hmm. and more of that. And it's not that it wasn't happening before. I think it's just, we're finally seeing it become more of a acceptable, encouraged, supported Mm -hmm. thing, even though there's still so many barriers, but I've been a huge part of helping change that narrative with, mm-hmm. with what you've done and the people that you have also connected with teammates or organizations, uh, coaches, mm-hmm. et cetera. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about some of those bridges that you've uh, been able to build? Yeah. So, I mean, as we know, we just talked about, you know, there's been so much that's also, regardless of if you're pursuing happiness, so many systems that have been at the detriment of mothers. And of course, you know, when you're talking about your body as your business, let's just say it was a complete shot in the foot when I first was embarking on motherhood. And I couldn't believe, and that was only six years ago. So I couldn't believe that time had gone on for so long without me being a mom. And none of this has been solved. Right. Like I, I just really literally lied in shock. Like I'm like, okay, I watched Kara Goucher compete and come back after having her son six months postpartum at Boston Marathon. I think she finished third and it was just like amazing. And then you don't know until you become her peer and you're having a conversation with her and you guys become friends saying like, oh yeah, they suspended me without pay until I could compete. Like I had to leave my son in the hospital at four months Mm -hmm. and I needed to get back in a race so that they can restart my pay. And I'm just like the freaking inhumane um, aspect of all of that is like, are you kidding me right now? And just to know, like she was four years ahead of me. And that was something that she was living in secrecy about because they started her pay up again when she raced six months postpartum. But with her jumping in that, that she now has chronic hip pain, right. you know, and, um, right into a marathon, you know, um, and those are the things where I'm like, we should not have to put ourselves at risk so that we can, you know, continue on with our career. We should have the ability to have resources that are there for us. If you've got psychologists and you have, you know, top of the line physical therapists or all these other right. things, it's like, where are our women's health um, pelvic floor specialists that should specialize in performance? postpartum athletes? Right. Where are, I don't know, physiologists that can help postpartum high-performance women navigate high-performance and breastfeeding? And like, you know, let's talk about those sorts of things. You guys can tell us about a, an ankle sprain, a pinky sprain, a knee sprain, an ACL tear. But like when it comes to me walking into physical therapy at world championships and I'm just like, yo, what are we going to do about this belly? And they're like, ah, hmm, you know, hmm." like, it's just like one of those things. So anyways, to talk about the gaps that I've bridged, it was just me living my life and being like, are you kidding me right now? I, uh, we don't have these resources. I can only yell and scream and be angry about this so much. Mm -hmm. I need to open up the door for this conversation to be one that has had all the time, 
all of the different nuances and variances of pregnancies and postpartum bodies. And I need to allow us a lane where there's more visibility of motherhood and the differences of them. And so that was the precipice of and mother, you know, which is the foundation that we created. It's and like A N D mother, M O T H E R.org. Everyone that's listening can go and look and follow more on that. And we're also and mother underscore org on Instagram. I'll link all of that in the show. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so thank you. Thank you. And so that was founded off of the tremendous outpouring of, of the off head that I did that was like, okay, I'm just gonna, I used to talk about all of the things that happened postpartum, like in secrecy with my friends and other people who have dealt with it. And when it came to talking about the industry, I would always talk to reporters off record. It was just this thing. And it's this thing we talk about now, so many women face where you feel like you're going to be the black sheep. If you say how shit is messed up and Mm -hmm. it just feels like, and you're afraid that it's going to come off like your sour grapes because you know, you got cut from your contract for becoming pregnant. And um, I was like, no, this is not right. And so I started to just have these conversations. And when people would ask like, how are your sponsors in your pregnancy? Oh, you really want to know? I was threatened that two months postpartum. I had a conversation with Nike before I switched sponsorships and they point blank told me that they would just cut my contract and stop paying me. This is actually what really is going down. Oh, you know, how are your abs? What's on your, what's on, well, no one was really helping me figure out what's going on with di- diastasis recti. And frankly, I hadn't heard more than a paragraph about it when I was pregnant. What I was given was don't do any core work, which we all know is not what we should do. Don't do any core work in your pregnancy. And so I didn't, to be honest, in my first pregnancy, I maybe did like one or two things. I was like, oh, okay, sorry. I won't do anything. And it was just all this misinformation because no one is listening to the moms and the hype, the women, and we're also the visibility of us being there is not there. So we just wanted to blow the lid off of all of it and say, you guys, it's time for us to come together and talk about it. And we need for future generations to see us. So they know they can also be us and we can make it better for them. So that's everything that we're doing to bridge the gap. And also when I was talking about Dream Eternity, which was the op-ed that I did with New York Times, there was this outpouring of all of these women across the board in all in- industries. And what I know is this isn't the first time. I wasn't the first. I'm not going to be the last. Hopefully we can just make it shame, shame, shame now that we're talking about it so publicly for anybody who wants to give a woman who is pregnant or and postpartum a hard time in her career path. And so we wanted to allow women an opportunity to not only pursue, but also thrive in their career and motherhood. And when we had all these women that were with this outpouring of support and telling their stories, we saw like this literally name an industry. There's a problem in it, like literally name an industry. And there was a problem with motherhood in the workplace. And we wanted and mother to be a place where we can share the visibility of it and help make, make a difference for future generations to come. I'm clearly very passionate about that. And I can talk to you about this for a really long time. (laughs) I think that's why you and I have hit it off so well. You're very equally passionate about supporting women and having better conversations and creating a little bit more advocacy across the board and just Mm -hmm. informed choices about training during pregnancy, being postpartum and encouraging that lifetime of athleticism. I know that a lot of the professional athletes I've worked with are just like really high level competing athletes, even if they're not professional they have felt mm-hmm. for the past seven years that I've been doing this and 
like when I founded pregnancy and postpartum athleticism, it was the result of hearing so many stories of these very high level athletes saying, yeah, um, I didn't know anything about diastasis recti or hernia mm-hmm. or incontinence or pelvic organ prolapse. And I would have changed how I trained had I known, or I would have changed how I made a postpartum return to those things, but they're, you know, juggling athlete brain, this new shifting identity. Maybe mm. if they're a professional athlete trying to get back, you know, and get sponsored again, get their contracts, get paid, all of these different things that they did not feel like they either had the information or had the support. And yeah. that just drives me crazy because beyond our athleticism, this is truly our function mm-hmm. <laughs> of our yeah. bodies, our very basic physiology that has to carry us through the rest of our lifetime. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. crazy to hear that Team USA, in some instances, they have so many women, whether they've had babies or not, that are peeing themselves or have prolapsed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's things that could be done about it, but there's also just not a lot of awareness in general of how to fix it without jeopardizing their performance. We have to be able to have this conversation and say, you can still thrive in your performance, Mm -hmm. make a couple adjustments to how you're training or maybe your tendencies. Mm -hmm. And like to not have as significant of a diastasis, not always Mm -hmm. sometimes, or to not be peeing yourself every single time you run, jump, or have a dynamic movement. Like there are things we can incorporate into training Mm-hmm. That will actually improve performance and functionality for this person's lifetime. Yeah. That's my definitely thing to talk about. Definitely. This week's episode is brought to you by Iconic Protein. You can use code Practice Brave using the link in the show notes to try it out. What I love about it is it is on-the-go protein. I don't have to mix anything. I don't need my protein shaker bottles. I don't need to put it in a blender. It is pre-made, ready to go. I just grab it from my fridge and out the door. I love it. I was like my 4 p.m. I'm kind of snacky feeling, but I don't want to have like a full meal. So I love having this for when I'm out the door to baseball or jujitsu or whatever with my kids. It's a great way to get in 20 grams of protein for only 140 calories. I personally really like the chocolate and greens flavor. So if this is something that sounds like it would resonate with you, you're trying to get extra protein in your diet, whether it's because you're postpartum or you're recovering from a surgery, or you just really need more protein to support the fitness that you're doing, I'd really recommend checking out Iconic Protein using the link in my show notes. And please be sure to use code PracticeBrave to get a discount. Uh, a really big thing that you mentioned is, again, the support. That's like mm-hmm. crucial in anything that you do. And obviously, you know, when we add pregnancy and to the mix. Let's talk about not pulling support, please. Um, It's just baffling. Like what? (laughs) Okay, perfect. Pull the support. No. And I think again, like I was mentioning, the more visibility that we have behind it, the more conversations we can have behind the variances of postpartum bodies, the more allowance we give and more permission, I guess we give women to speak up for themselves. And it's hard. I honestly can say I don't know how different it could have been, obviously, if that if the foundation wasn't already set up for me, because the threat was heavily on, you need to make this world championship team. Right. I ended up winning nationals at six and 10 months postpartum, and I was very conservative in my return, like very conservative in my return. I had to go with conservative, one, because I had DR um, that was undiagnosed. I diagnosed myself, by the way. Talk about a problem. Oh, I know. <laughs> um, I, I went in, I went into two separate people 
And they were like, no, you're fully functioning. It's great. And I'm like, uh, but again, it's just how they're not seeing me a power athlete. And like when I need to be at my full extension of power, what does that actually look like? I'm not just trying to go to brunch and sip tea. Where is that? You know what I'm saying? So like I didn't sprint until, uh, I won nationals at 10 months postpartum and I didn't do like sprint. Well, I was in competition. So I went to one to three competitions and those were the times that I actually did sprints. I didn't do a sprint training block until three weeks before nationals at 10 months postpartum, which is why like, if anybody watches that race, I was like crying that I won. Cause I was like, mm-hmm. what muscle memory is the freaking crazy ass thing. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and that says so much too, about like really giving yourself that intentional, very strategic return where you, you peak at the right time, you know, yeah. really trusting a probably very frustrating process. And if you can do that as a professional athlete, the rest of us average people who just kind of want to get back to feeling like ourselves again, maybe do yeah. you know, like some ath- generally athletic things. Like there is, there is a progression that has yes. to take place in order to prioritize that sustainability. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm not even going to say that that was something that my coach had ever seen before. We definitely were like, he just did a really good job. My coach, Tony Sandoval, he was at the university of Cal Berkeley. He was a head coach for a long time and he just did a really good job listening to me and also focusing on the mental side of things being like, I hear your threat. I hear you, you feel threatened about your livelihood and what you want to do after that, but that's not going to help you return to fitness and having that support was amazing. It right. was like, because I didn't fret the things that I, sh- it was very frightening. It was very ter- terrifying. And like, just also not only terrifying, it just made, makes you really angry. And you know, when you harbor anger toward performance, you waste energy. Right. So, um, I had to pick and I had to choose myself and I had to choose, you know, healing as best as possible. I know part of my ding, which is like, you know, points against, how my sponsor at the time was looking at me was the fact that I couldn't race as often. I, it just would have been at the detriment of my body to race often. And I raced where it mattered. I raced and I won the races that mattered. I went in and I was like, okay, in my postpartum year, I'm going to get to the races I need to get to. And that's just how we're going to navigate training. I'm going to slowly work in breathing exercises. I didn't splint or anything like that. I didn't even know anything about like a brace at the time, um, with my first one. And then afterwards, you know, there's all these support bands and all this other stuff that I was like, Oh yeah, that one, this one, I'll take that one. I'll take two of those. No, there's so (laughs) much, there's so much stuff now, but it really, (laughs) your, your athletic progression was your, your guiding light. And then the emotional you got from your coach. Yeah. You have recently, recently chose to have an abdominal plastic. Can you tell me what the lead up to that process is like, and I know that you're still in the trenches of recovery. So I know we won't talk too much about the, the now because we're still, yeah. not still in it, but still now. Yeah. You, yeah. But will you share at least what you're comfortable with about your choice to get a repair? Yeah. Well, I'm young and I'm still a high performance athlete and connective tissue is a very real thing and connective tissue can recover, but it can also not recover. For me, my connective tissue was beyond recovery. It wasn't going to recover. And I had exhausted all of the other methods. Like, again, I talked about me being pretty regimented, structured. I'm very determined. I will line up 
you know, 7 a.m., do this, all the things. I spent way too much money buying program after program, you know, this person's program, I'm going to buy this program and like developing my own stuff, which has been the best, to be honest, like taking pieces of other things and developing something that works for me. But I went through the gamut of stuff. And that's not to say those programs aren't great. It just, I, my, my connective tissue was done for. And this is after three babies. And I sought consultation after, after 2016. So I was two years postpartum with my daughter. And, you know, I got to see what the result looked like two years, not pregnant, you know, and having done the work. And it was okay. It was just that anytime I wanted to perform at a high level, I was going to have power issues. And it's beyond, you know, just looking good. Uh, you know, you can on the surface, it just, Oh, everything looks fine. Okay. You have a little bit of an Audi, but like, I can see some abs there. There's a little separation around your belly button, but I was not able to pull the power I needed and I wanted. And then I was very restricted in activity still. It was like, okay, you can pick this or this. And I'm like, I have my whole life to live. I want to mountain climb. I want to climb trees. And those are the sort of things that, you know, you once you have to stop and rebreathe and calibrate and da, da, da. And it's like, pull up your pelvic floor. Okay, next rung. Like, I'm like, do right. I want to live like this? No, um, like a ridiculous advice anyway for anybody. Like there's still so much that we can do to not have to be neurotic, but also exactly. taking yeah. into account what you're talking about with truly generating power, that's a whole different ballgame. And I really appreciate you mentioning that in regard to choosing a surgical option. Yeah. And, and again, like that was number one and I was like, okay, you know, and then I had the second and I was able to manage really well, actually my DR, but like, I think what was happening once it was a thing of, Oh, you've got DR. Is it because you ran in your pregnancy? It's like, shut, like, leave me alone. This person ran in their pregnancy. This person ran in their pregnancy. They're fine. They're fine. They're fine. Okay. Leave me alone. It's like, it just kind of makes you like, Oh, just frustrated because there's so little information. And instead it's like blame laid on you because you like chose fitness in pregnancy. And I'm like, why do we always like shun women from pursuing a, or we're doing so much better now. So I'm saying at that time, uh, fit pregnancy. Like that is good for the mom to be able to move. Instead, let's direct her towards a program. Is there one? Do you guys have one set up where she can do a good job in her pregnancy and in her postpartum period? Let's just not like be like, oh, don't work out. Don't do anything. Are you kidding me? Do you know how good it is? Exercises for the mental and everything like that. So navigating that was pretty interesting for me, but there were things like going into my second pregnancy. It's how I was also carrying my son. Like Aster was super chill. And he didn't, my daughter 100% was like, her feet were literally pushing out through my abdomen. That's just how she was rolling. That's how she was sitting within me. That's how she rolls right now. She's right. just like, uh, I'm not following the rules right now. <laughs> um, I relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and my second one, he just carried really, he was, he carried low. Like I still carried him low, like in my pelvic girdle, but it wasn't out. He, so when people looked at me, it was like, oh. He's very compact. Linnea was straight out. And right. that's the same thing with my third. My third was straight out as well. And it was pretty painful. When pain started coming with the power, um, the lack of power is when I was like, I've been through this. This is my third time. I'm going to do all of the DR work, everything that I need to do. I'm going to be diligent, but I'm positive. I am going to move towards this 
quote unquote elective surgery of abdominoplasty because I want the ability to play with my kids. I don't want to say, oh my gosh, I can't pick you up. Ow, 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 ow. Like, I don't want to do that. And I was doing that. And it was just time to take care of myself, prioritize myself and my health and recognize I have so much more ahead of me that I didn't want to live in weight of not seeing my full potential because I was going to wait 10 years for you me to be like, oh shoot, I wish I would have done that 10 years ago. Regardless, I was going to have to do it. No, I'm so glad that you can talk about this. And once again, kind of break the shame and stigma that I think comes with surgery of that kind. And it's something, you know, I talk about a lot with so many different guests who've come on this podcast to try to break that, this, the stigma. And because there's Mm -hmm. plenty of good choices or circumstances for getting this surgery and Mm -hmm. the shame women. um, And I think there's just so much misunderstanding. So I really appreciate you sharing your reasoning, your perspective, and just the overall process. I think it, it just gives people permission to continue to advocate for themselves and make the really informed choices. Mm-hmm. I also just want for women who might be thinking about it to not feel like they're absolute failures because the program that they're doing for DR is not working for them. And it's not to say again that those programs don't work. I 100% believe in PT and that you should you know, go the exercise route and still can choose that. Um, absolutely. And it's just, it was just this thing where people, I've had so many people message me like, Oh my gosh, thank you so much. I felt like I couldn't do it because I wasn't doing a good job with my diastasis work. And I was the same as you. I'm just doing it day in and day out. And it is tedious work guys. I don't know if anybody has ever all postpartum women with DR know what I'm talking about, but you guys can think of, Oh my gosh, I'm trying to think of like a really tedious exercise for the mass public to just try to do and just be so frustrated by. It's like that tedious. And it seems like you're not doing anything in the beginning, at least when you get started. And it is crucial to repairing or at least allowing yourself mind-body connection, but it doesn't always give you back the power that you want or that you need and or prevent you from strains and aches and pains. You know, one of the things I was going to say, I did say actually in one of my IG posts is like, again, I'm a performance athlete. Part of getting better, faster, stronger is doing a rep through fatigue. With DR, you can only do a rep to fatigue. So there's no climbing over that hump when you look at phase training, everybody, sorry, we're ner- I'm nerding out a little bit with, with pre on blocks of training. So anybody that knows about blocks of training, you have to look at phases of training. And part of those phases of training is getting you through muscle endurance. And then you get to a place when you have enough endurance, where then you try to fatigue the muscle and then go like one more rep. And that's where you, you get better. I just wasn't able to do that because otherwise I would end up hurting myself. Right. No, I, I understand. And it's just such an interesting process that really is just so individual. And anyone listening, if you're doing a diastasis program that is not strategically progressing and it's just boring rehab, then that is mm-hmm. not an effective diastasis program. That's why the eight-week postpartum athlete training program is it's foundational, yes, but it has to bridge that gap between rehab and actual fitness that you're going to do. Otherwise you will not be prepared to do it. You will not be able to progress and build upon that into performance. If it's just these repetitive movements that don't actually translate into real exercise. So just want everyone listening, I thought it was a really solid point about 
progressing and it being so tedious, your program should continue to progress you to prepare you to do the things that you want to do. But for some cases, like Licia, like me, like a couple other people that have come on this podcast, you begin to expire your your situation. Like you just hit an expiration on your process. And that Mm -hmm. sometimes is a choice. Sometimes that's a circumstance. And either way, you totally have options. And surgery is an extremely valid option for so many people. And there shouldn't be Mm -hmm. shame or stigma or guilt for, well, I didn't do enough or I didn't do it right or whatever. Like there's just so many different circumstances. I just really want everyone to hear that who's listening to this conversation and feeling maybe frustrated with their own process. For sure. And I don't want people to feel alone either. I mean, I definitely needed my own ego check too. Like, oh, I couldn't do it. Like I, I definitely wanted to avoid surgery to be completely honest. It was, that was not what I really wanted to do. And then it became what I really wanted to do. Cause I'm like, why am I an ego check? Again, a soccer player, football player, uh, right. you know, has an ACL injury. There's no feeling of ego or guilt that their body is so terrible. It's like this happened while I'm doing this because whatever reason, and I'm just going to repair it. There's not this. And for some reason, this Linea Alba repair is this thing where it's like, (gasps) oh, you couldn't get it together. Like, and then you just make yourself feel terrible. And it's like, or it was like, well, it's just aesthetic. And even if it is for aesthetic reasons, and even if it is, yeah. People make informed choices about their body and what they do with it, you know? Like, absolutely. It's all good. (laughs) It's all good. It's your one body. You're living in it. Make that decision. And I really think, I just want us to just freaking support each other. That's really it. (laughs) <laughs> yes. I mean, that's you, know. Really, you know, and you're doing such a great job with that with Anne Mother. And so to conclude this, just tell us where we can find out more about you and more about Anne Mother again, so that we know mm-hmm. um, just what we can do to continue to support and advocate for athletes like you and mm-hmm. our greater community. Yes. Okay. All the things. Um, I'm going to start with actually my book, Feel Good Fitness, that is out now. It actually launched in May. It's really about everything I'm talking about, pursuing your full you, self-betterment, feeling good in fitness. It is just so, it is really about feeling good. It is for everyone. There's got fun exercise streaks in there, and it allows you an opportunity to like have fun in fitness and get on an exercise streak. And then you can like you know tear off and go to more advanced programs if you want. It's something like that. If you've chatted with me at any sort of signing or event or anything like that, or just on DM, you will probably gather. I I'm, I'm a little bit of a goofball. So I bring that to the book and I want for people to have something that they can kind of have fun with in fitness. And then, you know, buy all the other books that, you know, you can be really hardcore in and I'm very hardcore. So that's like another part <laughs> of me, the silly part. So you get that in that book, but plus good sound, fun fitness uh, challenges. And and mother, we can you can go and support and mother like I'd mentioned earlier on IG is where we are pretty visible. It's and mother underscore org a n d m o t h e r underscore org. Also, our website um, is andmother.org. Um, and we have a donation site there. Big part of donations right now are going to our startup costs. Um, it takes a lot to, to organize and to run it, but then also we are delegating resources to athletes that we're going to be supporting in 2021. I'm not at liberty yet to say 
some of the athletes that we have on and mother team, I might be still saying too much. Sorry, Molly, that's my <laughs> co-founder. Um, but keep your eyes peeled for January, February, 2021. We have a special announcement. Um, so follow us there. And on our website, we have some really fun things happening. We had great, like really fun events happening for 2020, but just like everybody else had a nice little side pivot and um, we're excited for the new year and we're hopeful that we'll be able to share a little bit more of other things that we have on the table that I'm not allowed to say right now. Do you guys like the vagueness of all of that? You know what? <laughs> I think they, they all get it. <laughs> Follow us. Trust me. There's fun things to happen. And uh, yeah, so those are some of the big things. And I'm also going to have an opportunity to have yours truly on a podcast. I'm hoping coming up soon, you can also follow our podcast, Keeping Track Media, um, where we talk about women's stories in athletics, the lesser known stories and stories and topics that are not to us very well covered. Obviously, you guys know sports coverage is very much male leaning, male dominant. So we are hoping to just make a little bit of a dent and change the the narrative and the storytelling aspect of women in sports. Gosh, well, I love everything that you're doing. Thank you so much for sharing so much of your story and your and your belief systems and just the good that you're doing for the greater community of athletes and especially our like little special community of athlete moms that are, mm. I think it's like you said, the more visibility and voices that are out there, the better support and longevity all of us will have navigating our life. So thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. And also don't forget to follow me on IG, Alicia Montano. Yes. And all of that will be linked in the show notes, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you are a postpartum athlete and you're really trying to figure out what next, what does my return to fitness look like? What do I do about my core, my pelvic floor? How do I get back into the movements I want to do in a way that I feel really confident about? I have you covered because I know exactly what it's like to be where you are as a coach, as an athlete, and as a mom. So I want you to download six exercises for the first six weeks postpartum. It's a free resource and it just goes over everything that I think is really important to take into consideration during those early weeks postpartum. Now, if you're ready to begin more of an exercise program, say you've been cleared by your doctor or midwife, I have a eight week postpartum athlete training program, which acts as the perfect entry back into fitness, into the gym, into the kind of movement that you want to do where it's still respecting the changes your body has gone through and how your baby was delivered, but it really helps connect your rehab into the kind of fitness that you want to do in a way that's relatable and fun and exactly what your body needs right now on behalf of your long-term function and performance.